from the robber? Or he goes, no, I did the robbery, and I'm trying to get away. And the officer said, really? And he said, yeah, the stuff's in the back in the, in the trunk. He said, well, I'm going to need your license and registration. The officer started to reach in. He said, I wouldn't do that. I've got a loaded gun in the glove box. The officer said, put your hands on the wheel. Stay right there. Calls for backup. Backup comes. Take the guy back to the cruiser. And they said, well, from our understanding, you're involved in a robbery. You have the loot in the back of the trunk, and there's a loaded gun in your glove box. He said, we just checked your car. None of that's true. The guy said, he's probably going to say I was speeding, too. <laughs> there's your joke for Sunday morning. Let's welcome our online crowd today. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming with us. So good to have you here. We have people watching from all different places. I mean, Texas and Florida and who knows uh, where else. And it just continues to grow. We've been talking about Christmas. It is the season. And we started a, um, a series last week called Celebrating Christmas. This is week two in that series. Now, last week we talked about just changing our mindset. You know, just kind of trying to get maybe God's viewpoint on things. And I kind of messed with the whole manger scene. I'm going to mess with it a little bit again today. But today I want to talk about discernment and influence. Discernment and influence. And so uh, we're going to, again, we're looking at this whole scene that we've talked about, the nativity scene, the very first Christmas. And we talked about how rough it was. And I'm just going to give you some review. Mary and Joseph, and we went through that, the age difference, she might be 13 or so, 15, 16, 17 maybe, and he's going to be maybe 30 or more. So that was kind of odd. It was an arranged marriage, and it wasn't love as we know it as far as, I mean, the Bible doesn't really say so, but I think there was something there because obviously Joseph had some integrity, but it, they, uh, they go through the plan because if you remember, uh, he got visited by an angel as well, and, and so... This whole story that Mary tells them is being backed up by God, but they have to deal with rejection uh, from their family and those around them. They have to travel. She is, remember we talked about with child, so she's very much pregnant, and there was no room in the inn, and so that week we kind of understand that. They get to the barn, and we talked about maybe even the family. If, if Joseph had to be there to register, his, his family would have been there. His father would have been there. And, and they're not allowed to stay with family. The Bible doesn't go into that. I know I'm coming in and out, but we'll do our best to see if we can fix it. Uh, so then their lives are endangered by King Herod. And so, uh, just, I mean, if nothing else, no matter what you're going through, no matter if this is just, this is, you know, one of, maybe it's your favorite time of year. For me, I love Christmas, always have loved Christmas. Um, it's, it's great to me that my grandson loves Christmas. And uh, I brought him a train cookie today. Maddie and I made cookies last night, and one then was a cutout of a train, and he absolutely loves trains. So anything I can do to get on his list above Maddie is a good thing <laughs> because Maddie walks on water with all the grandkids. They just love Aunt Me. But anyway, uh, so no matter what you're going through, there, you know, this can kind of prove that God is going to be with you. Isn't that what Emmanuel is? God with us, and so no matter who you are or who you know uh, you think you are or whatever we're dealing with, because of Jesus, everybody say, because of Jesus, I have a way, 
and it's his way. So we're going to understand that. I want to talk about the wise men again. And so many times we, we, we just, again, we picture the nativity scene, and they weren't there really when Jesus was born. Um, so the nativity scenes aren't exactly right. They did come to worship him. They were uh, going to be there, but not at that same time that we have the, the scene. So um, we get some wisdom from, from what we're doing today. I want to look at the word, because isn't that where we need to go? I mean, we can always talk to men, but we can only go so far, can't we? Let's, let's go to the word of God. Um, Jesus, uh, this, uh, he, in Matthew 2, 1 through 12, he was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests, teachers, religious law, and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And again, God is always intervening. Sometimes I think we, we just think, and, and I, I'm so thankful for a loving father, that he just, we think we know what's best. Do you ever, I mean, there was a show growing up. Some of you, you know, maybe grew up with it more than I did, but I did watch it. Father Knows. And it was just one of those shows where it was, you could watch that and it was always just, you know, some was funny and stuff, but it was, it was very safe and, and all of that. And there's so much wisdom in, in people and a father and all that, but we have to get to where God is. God has got a plan, and he is inserting places that need to be inserted. He's taking care of things. There's a lot of things that are different from when the way we grew up when we look at the Scripture. Now, in a movie, if you watch a movie now today, they'll say this is based on a true story, which means in some ways, I mean, the basic storyline is true, but they've made embellishments or added, you know, some things just to add oomph to it or sometimes to draw more people to the box office or, or, or whatever. Uh, so they took certain liberties. But it really doesn't line up with the traditional scene as, we, as when we picture a nativity scene, you can go buy one, there's always the wise men, there's the shepherds, there's all of that. And it's not that they were not involved in this, they just weren't all there at the same time. So first thing we know is these guys, the wise men, they came from the province of where ancient Babylon or Persia would have been. And if we go way back to the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel was taken into cap captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar uh, in Babylon. And Daniel lived in Babylon, and, and he was a magistrate there, so he was elevated to that, and he was in that position. To the chief magi who were uh, in charge of this particular group of people, they were powerful. So I'm just giving you a little of history. When they became chief, he was over that entire, so we're talking about Daniel, over the province of Babylon. And it's interesting 
uh, through Babylonian Empire were so powerful, and so was the part. Now, if I say this right, Parthian, I think it is Parthian, something like that. They had equal power like the Roman government, and they're in charge of Jerusalem. Basically, these guys were large and in charge. They were the government elected to put things in place and to put people in position, and they were that's what they did. And so Daniel, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, he prophesied about the future. And I'm just putting some things out here, okay? So there is a good chance, I think, at least as possible with the things that the people knew or they'd heard or what had been written down. It isn't a known fact. I'm just saying that they could have been reading prophecies of Daniel or they could have heard about Daniel and God was already talking about Messiah. Do you know that God never says anything he doesn't mean? He doesn't do anything that he doesn't mean. He is perfect in every way, shape, or form. But anyway, these guys are under the Parthian Empire. Their goal or quest was to appoint a king. They were kingmakers. So they went, and they, that's what they were doing. So you need to understand some of the mission that was happening. And so once the king took his place, the only people that would have any voice to influence him would have been the board of magistrates. And so these guys, they, they were big stuff. They carried clout. They weren't just travelers. They were, you know, this would be the parade of cars that would come through and have people that are like, oh, these are, these are big time people. So let's pull this back a little deeper. The Bible talks about three gifts, not three wise men. We just assume they're three wise men because we have gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but the Bible never says they were just three wise men. I had to look that. I was like, whoa. So anyway, um, they don't tell us how many there were. There could have been 25. There could have been 100. It just distinguishes the gifts, not the people. But they were in charge, or things began to, you know, there were guys in charge, but things began to change for King Herod. Now, Herod was an appointed king, and he was not an elected official. He was appointed by the Roman government, but he was not born king, and that's something you need to understand. This is why it's so important that Jesus was born and he came through a virgin Mary, Herod was, was appointed king, and he was not born into that lineage. Are you with me? Okay? Uh, so Herod was insecure about himself, so he had some issues. Uh, and so uh, if you do a little study, I think he was even taken out of office and then put back in, um, but he has issues. And so uh, influence these guys had, they carried power, and so they're traveling, and the, so they have an entourage. So they're coming. This is not just like three guys. This is a whole group. And this is, again, the Bible's not explaining all this. I'm trying to grab things out, and I'll, I'll show you what I mean. Back in those days, you took everything with you when you left because there were no such things as ring doorbells. So... Everything went with you. If you left it behind, there's a chance when you came back, it wasn't going to be there. Uh, so it doesn't make sense. And here's my point. Why would, if, if there were just three guys, why would King Herod and the city be all bent out of shape for three guys to come through? The Bible says he was troubled or bothered. The NLT says that I read you says he's deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Because I believe this was a, a major group that shows up. And the historians say that Herod's army was doing battle elsewhere, stopping an uprising against Herod. 
So these kingmakers show up with this entire group, and so now Herod is, he's thinking they're coming for his throne. That's what I'm thinking. He's like, okay, here's this big group. I don't have anybody to protect me. These guys are kingmakers. And their quest, and this is what they're doing, they want to appoint a king. So it is not quite the nativity scene that we're used to growing up with, but they show up, and uh, that's what's happening. From that perspective, they came from a far land. The principles that I want to share, I think will help us, if we can get a hold of some of what God is trying to tell us, it'll change the way we live, it'll change the way we think. So today's message, see, this is all just kind of getting us up to here, and it's not going to take long, but it's about discernment and influence. We changed our mindset last week. We're being open to a spirit. Today, we want to be able to discern and to be influencers in our world. We want to show people a better way, the king's way, the kingdom of God. So how do we ourselves help others take that journey? People need to see fruit. That's what this world is looking for. They've seen the same old, same old. They need somebody that says, how come you're going upstream and things are happening and and all of that? I'd like to know how that happened. There's people that have asked Kim and I over time, how did this show up? It just showed up. Well, here's how it happened. This is how the kingdom worked. I don't believe that. Okay. Do you know that laws are in place whether you believe them or not? If you say, I don't believe in gravity... Jump off the building. Gravity will become real to you. You didn't have to believe in it for it to work. You cannot change the law. The laws of the kingdom, this, this kingdom of God is governed just by, it's by laws of the kingdom. It's, it's how it works. It is not just God just willy-nilly saying, oh, okay, today I'll bless you, I'll bless you. He doesn't arbitrarily do that. Everything operates from a standpoint of legality, of, of the government. So it's going to be the kingmaker, a person who shows the way of the king. So our first thought today is you need discernment. I looked up discern, and this is what it says, to perceive with the eyes, detect or distinguish, recognize or understand as being distinct or different. Now, Daniel, we had talked about, lived hundreds of years before, and they had prophecies from him, I'm pretty sure. They told King Herod they'd seen the star in the east, these kingmakers, and they knew it meant the king had come. Herod doesn't acknowledge the star, but because anybody could have seen that. Did you know when that star's up there, it's not just these guys that saw it. Do you, do you understand that? that I mean, have you ever been out on a cold winter night and the moon was just like, boo, and it's just lighting everything up? Or you see that North Star and it's just plain as day. So everybody could have seen this. But these wise men, it's safe to say, were smart enough and discerned Something's going on. This isn't what we've normally seen. We need to follow this this star. And I believe, I'm saying like arrow, stole. There's a stole. Uh, Discerning people, I believe, can keep moving forward when the world around them is missing things. Because they're discerning something that God is telling them. And while the other people are just kind of stuck and just watching, they're missing what the people that are discerning are seeing. People miss a lot, don't you agree? Have you ever walked into a poll while you're looking at your cell phone texting? And somebody was quick to say, yes, I am not the only one. That's why it's illegal to text and drive. Anybody out here that are deer hunters? I am the only one. 
Okay, well, my wife will tell you, I see deer all the time. And when I see deer, I'm like, honey, there's deer over there. But I tend to go, and she'll be like, honey, I know there's deer over there. Watch the road. But so we get caught up what's right in front of us, and we miss sometimes things around us. Greatness is all about getting our eyes off of us and seeing the needs of those and being aware of those around us. Being others-minded. One of the things that we like to do at TLC is be others-minded. Now, if you're out here, and just so that you know, on here you'll see on the side of the building it says staff parking. And if you notice the last few weeks, nobody parks there because we're going to take those signs down. We're going to put them somewhere else. Because of the way the building is designed, we want to be others-minded. With the weather not being so great and coming up, I want people that maybe are like, I don't want to walk clear across that parking lot. I'd like to park closer. And they're having issues with that. And I get that. So we're not using those. I'm parking where the dream team is parking. So um, we're going to have those taken down. But I mean, just because we want to be others-minded. We want to, you know, hey, it doesn't mind. I don't care if I have to walk. You know, that's fine. We want to be others-minded. If this place was packed and somebody new came in, would somebody that always went here, would they give up their seat? I hope so. Because we want to be others-minded. Minded, how to process that, how to discern what's going on. You see, these wise men are in the Bible because they could discern and they were part of this plan. They had influence and they had prophecy that needed to be fulfilled. This year, when you're home with your families and you're celebrating Christmas, maybe it isn't the same for everyone as it is to you. I want you to be discerning. I want you to look at others. Maybe they're having struggles or or whatever but what would jesus do how could you be that word of encouragement how could you be that extra hand or that extra just hey i just wanted to say man i love you you look great today this is going to be a great holiday season or whatever that gives what would god say for you to do just the smile did you know that if you just have you ever stood outside and just thanked people that opened the door for you or open the door for someone. I do that. And some people, you know, most people say thank you. Some people say nothing. But again, back to your heart. I'm doing this because I just want to be a blessing. A person of influence and discernment. Watch for those around you. Be kind. The Bible says that kindness draws them to repentance. You're going to be around people that maybe don't believe like you do. Maybe they don't even follow God. Be kind. Maybe they know you do, and that's why you really need to be kind. You need to just show the love of God. Here's our second thought today. You need humility. High-level leaders are not manipulators. They're honest. They, these wise men shot straight with Herod, and you can see a difference. Now... I put this in here, and I just put this in here this morning when I was going over this. How many, have you ever heard of insider trading? You know what that is? That is people that have inside information about something, and they're not allowed, it's illegal, and then they can, they'll know what to invest in because they already have inside somehow, so they'll make money. It's, it is illegal. And so, you know, people will be like, hmm. But I wanted to share this. Um, in the kingdom, 
You have the Holy Spirit. You are the dwelling place of God. Amen? You have insider information. And it's not illegal in the kingdom. But see, in the world system, we are taught everything has to be fair. That isn't how it is, is it? Everything must be fair. It's not always fair. I mean, I remember even in, in some sports programs, nobody kept score because we didn't want, every, you know, it has to be fair. I remember your boy was, he was awesome, by the way. Kid, you just handed him the ball and he'd take off and it was almost touchdown every time. And they were like, we, we don't keep score. I remember I was a ref in one of those and people would ask me all the time, what's the score? And I'm not supposed to say, but if you'd ask any kid, they knew. So did all the parents. But it was better, I think, to teach the kid life doesn't always come out the way you think or, or things don't always happen the way you want. But thanks be to God, you can get all this stuff figured the way the Lord wants you to have that. You have the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Herod, immediately, he got information. He called a secret meeting, started to manipulate, trying to get the upper hand, to take advantage, not sharing everything he had plans. He was a liar. That was the reason I told the silly joke today. Herod was just, you know, he was trying to say he was something that he wasn't. He was just trying to get information. Let me come and worship him too. Please just tell me where he is. He had no plans to worship him. You know, as the story goes on, he wanted to kill him. He was threatened by Jesus, and that's why if, you, if we read and we'll go on, where every boy to and under were killed because he was so insecure, he was evil. If you want to be a person of influence, you can't live your life with manipulation or hidden agendas. You have to be truthful. Makes you wonder about our current government, doesn't it? Be open and honest about what you're trying to accomplish. People like transparency. They just like people that are just like, this is what happens. This is what we do, or this is what we did, or if you didn't do it right. Even if it's uncomfortable, people would rather be led by truth than by manipulation. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. If you want discernment and influence, you have to be transparent. You have to be discerning about the world around us. We are transparent about our motives. We are this is what our heart says. This is what we believe. And sometimes people don't take you, if they don't know your heart, they just assume. Have you ever assumed in the building? That can get us in trouble. But if we understand and we know their heart, we might be able to go, you know what, I, I think I, I took that wrong. That's not what they really meant. But you can find that out and talk with them and figure that out. But these guys are humble. We want influence. We want to know God. We want to follow him. We need to be humble. The Bible is not clear on the precise sequence of all the events. That's why the manger scene's a little, but again, they've taken some embellishments. But they probably traveled with an army because of who they were, treasures they presented. Herod's army was gone. Herod's trying to fix things so that he can find out where the king is. Uh, the wise men could have just said, we're the kingmakers, not you. They could have just flexed a little bit. But they weren't insecure, so they're just letting him say whatever they want to say. They got their own thing. Matter of fact, it says uh, they heard from God in a dream, and so they obeyed God. So they're not trying to prove anything to Herod. But Herod is insecure. He, you know, I mean, let's face it, he's preying on children. 
So the greatness inside these guys is humility. When they get to where Jesus is, he's a small child, I believe, at this point. They found his mother and him and bowed down and worshiped him. Meekness, meekness bows to greatness, not to power. Herod bows to power. Manipulators and people who are insecure bow to power because they are forced. But meekness bows to greatness, humility to greatness. You've heard the story of the little boy that, that was told to sit down and he wanted to stand and the, he was forced to sit down. He said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's something about pride. The Bible talks about pride coming before the fall and in all of that. And Saul had things ripped out because he was proud, if you remember. And then David, David certainly wasn't perfect, but his heart was one of humbleness and after God. And so what does it look like for you this Christmas? Philippians 2, 3, and 4, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take interest in others too. <laughs> We've all, oh, oh boy, this will be fun. We've all at one time or another went in somewhere and assessed the room, saw who's there, Sometimes you have business parties or whatever for Christmas or whatever, and there's cliques. Ever, anybody ever know about cliques? If you're in part of the clique, you know, uh, there was in uh, different things that Kim and I were involved in when it came to church and uh, fellowships and stuff, there were cliques that were formed. And if you weren't in certain cliques, you really felt like you didn't belong and felt like you were treated poorly. And... Uh, and I never understood that. And I, I chose to believe better than that, and except one day I, I was actually at a general council meeting, or you know, and it was at a, a certain church in our section, and so everybody from that whole the state was coming there and all of that when I was in the Assemblies of God. And I remember I uh, had a friend that was another pastor, and he said, you know, we were talking, I sat there, and some other fella came up and just reamed me for even thinking I could sit there. And I thought he was kidding. I really did. And I thought he was kidding. And he, he got down and got in my face. Now, this is before the meeting ever started. Everybody's just mingling and stuff. And he basically is telling me to, to get my hind end up and get out of there. I have no business being up in this row. This was reserved for him and his friends. And, you know, and then I realized he's not kidding. Now, I'm just telling you, God is working in my life. Because my wife knows back in the day, I wouldn't be kidding either. But I just stood up, took a step in closer to him, and said, I'm going to let you have your seat back. And I just turned around and walked and went to the other back of the auditorium. And I'm telling you, it was all I could do to just get myself back into a level of, okay. Because all I could hear was, I ain't going down no more. Yo, Adrian! That's all was going through my mind. You know, that. And I had to just like, Lord, 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 Lord. And I made it through that, and God helped me. I didn't speak to him. I didn't, 
you know, I didn't go up and try to cause any issue or anything like that. Now, listen, I'm just telling you, and because I stayed right before the Lord, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't think things, but, you know, thinking them and processing them out loud are two different things. So you got to crucify those things. You have to let the Lord help you take those things captive. So I just, you know, and I had to apologize because I did uh, talk to a couple friends about, I don't, you know, what, did I do something wrong? And well, I didn't really need to talk to anybody. So I had to go back and say, I shouldn't have said that. So, you know, just food for thought, just be humble. Make a long story short, years down the road, I ended up pastoring a church in the same section this fellow was in. I didn't know that. And when I got that church, he came to a, a sectional meeting and he saw me and I was, he treated me like I was his long lost brother, that he just loved me, thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know, and there's parts of me that wanted to go, who do you think you are? You can't sit in this church. <laughs> but I just, I just hugged him and said, you know, it's good to see you, brother, if I can help you. What I'm telling you, is those lessons aren't easy. And I'm not saying I'd pass that every time. I'm going to believe I would because I believe that we get stronger and we learn from things like that. But God loves humility. And one of the things that Kim and I have always loved about Pastor Gary was he is humble. He is, if I've made a mistake, he'll say, you know, here, let me show you what it is so you don't have to make it. So don't judge the room. When you get to Christmas, if so-and-so, hey, you know how they are, Throw all that up to God. God, I'm here just to be who you want me to be. Don't look at what they wore. Well, that doesn't even go together. I am no person to talk about fashion. If I'm up here and there's anything you're like, oh, that's a nice shirt. I didn't pick it out. She did. <laughs> I'll ask her today, what shoes should I wear? I wear these. Okay. All right. Look out for each other. Elevate each other. You don't have to apologize for elevating somebody. If somebody wants to build you up every time you're around them, you want to be around them more. I've talked to different places, different people, and ran into different things. And, but it's those that are saying, even if they're bigger, there's churches that are way bigger than, than we are right now. But, I mean, they're like, oh, that's a great idea. We're going to use that. And you feel like, man, that's value. They don't look at me because of size. There's a difference. Great leaders elevate others. Remember this, and this is one of the things I've said for years. It's not the whistle that pulls the train. It's not the whistle that pulls the train. It just makes noise. There's got to be something in the engine. When I leave... Uh, certain people that I love that are in ministry, Pastor Gary is, is one of those. Pastor Eric is another one of those. I feel better. I feel lifted up. Pastor Gary and Pastor Drinda have always lifted up Kim and I. We have felt celebrated, not tolerated. There's a big difference. Here's number three. If we want to be great people of discernment and influence, we need to be generous. We need to be generous. The Bible tells us when they got to Jesus, they opened their treasures. 
you know, we talked last week, the, the, the stuff they brought Jesus would have been worth up to maybe $1.5 million. And just think, now they're running for a couple years away from Herod because he's trying to find him and kill him. All the bills are paid. There's no, he has all the money he needs to travel. This is what we've done in the past. And, I, you know, I'm just telling you we're maybe years ago, not now. It's been quite some time now. I don't even know how many years, but we used to have this mindset. You'd see a bigger ministry or somebody that you believe is well-to-do, and you would say, they give a lot because they have a lot. And that would be, we would be like, oh, sure, they can afford it. They have a lot. But really, the Lord has shown us they have a lot because they give a lot. There's a big difference there. Because the Bible says that we control what happens by our giving to us. The blessings that come unto us, we're a direct proportion in, in how we handle those things. 2 Corinthians 9, 5 and 8, I thought I should send brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready, but I want to be a, a willing gift. No, no one giving grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop. One who plants generously will get a generous crop. Each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. You will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's why around here, I don't, I don't try to manipulate you into giving. I just try to tell you, listen to the Lord and do what he says. And there's been times that when I have given, and Kim and I have given, it's been in large amounts, and it's not been easy. I don't know how else to say that because it's just not been easy. It's been like, okay, but yet we knew we were supposed to do it, and so we would have a peace to do it. It doesn't mean we didn't struggle to do it. And then God would do what God does. We didn't give to give, but we give because it's not mine. It's his. That's why I, tell, I want God to tell you. There are people that were like, oh, I don't believe God wants me to do that. And I, you know, sometimes we go around that same mountain all the time. When I grew up, uh, and my wife loved this cartoon, Fred Flintstone. You know, and Fred and Dino would run by that same window how many times? You know, and, and isn't that what life sometimes is like? I just keep going around. And, and we've experienced that where sometimes we keep seeing the same thing. If we're tired of that view, then we're asking God, listen to what I'm saying. We're asking God, what am I not doing or need to be doing to change that? Does that make sense? Because I don't, God has the answers. I don't have all those, but there are some things that he has told me to do just recently to change. I need you to change this. And in one way you think, okay, I thought this is what it was okay. I thought I'm doing this right. And he's like, I need you to change this. And so we're like, okay. Because this is what this is about. This is about showing humility. It's about showing God he is large and in charge in your life. It's opportunity for us to sow into things that he wants us to sow into and watch actual fruit come. I want to be obedient. How about you? I just want to do what he wants. Sometimes obedience is painful, but it's always worth it. 
God's promise is this, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have all sufficiency. Everybody say all. All sufficiency in all things that may have an abundance for every good work in every area of our lives. Now, I'm not teaching on really stewardship now or, or giving, but I'm just telling you, we have given cars away. When I gave cars away, I got more cars. When I gave jewelry away, I got more jewelry. I gave a computer away, I got more computer. I gave a watch, I got five watches in two weeks. I, I mean, just because if, if I sow corn, what am I getting? Corn. When the, when the widow had oil, what reproduced? Oil. Fish and chips, what reproduced? Well, bread and fish. What re- thank you. What reproduced? <laughs> right, because... That's, that's the principle. Listen to what I'm telling you. That's the law. What you sow, that's what reproduces. But in, and I'm not teaching on this now, so I will do this some other time. But in Corinthians, even in the scripture, when we, Paul was saying things to the church because they had given money and because they had given money, and people think, well, if we give, we're buying God. That's not what this is about. This is about giving God a, a legal avenue to bring the things into the realm that you need. That's what this is doing. And the enemy wants to blind you to that. He wants you to be like, he's just after your money. I'm not after, God's not after your money. He is giving you a legal channel to sow into the kingdom so he has now dominion and legality to go, okay, I can do this now. Because you have the authority of where that goes. So, and Paul is saying here in this scripture, you'll be all sufficiency in all things because they gave financially. Now, this doesn't work just because I'm the pastor. I'm a king's kid just like you. It works because it's a spiritual law. It's a principle. It'll work for you as well. This is our last thing I want you to see today. You need to pay attention. Pay attention. These wise men paid attention. That's one of the things I need to work on. I need to pay attention. Husbands, we need to pay attention. Our wives will tell us something, depending on what's on TV, you need to pay attention. But they, you know, we don't always see it, but the wise men paid attention. The first, the appearing of the star. Astronomers say they noticed it and they meant uh, they were traveled to Bethlehem looking for the king of the Jews. So they see the star and they knew, hey, we got to follow this star. But at some point, the star has to disappear because they have to stop and ask for direction. Here's one of the first miracles in the Bible. Men asking for directions. The... All the women are like, preach it. Because the women, men give weird directions, don't we? Well, you're going to go southwest about four quarters of a mile down here, and you're going to turn right and go southeast about two knots. Women will be like, you just go down the Krispy Kreme, and you turn right. And you'll see a a Joanne Fabrics. You go right there, right across the street is where you want to go. See, the women are like, yes, we, we give You know, well, I'll tell you where, you just go 500 paces southeast. Anyway, so they stopped for direction. Uh, So the star disappeared, 
And then they find, and here's, here's what I'm believing. How many knows that God orders your steps? I believe that they, they had to find out because they saw Herod's heart. They were able to see Herod go, and they could see through that like anything. Check it out. They see the star. They follow it. It goes away. They stop, ask for directions. They are told Bethlehem, the star reappears, and this time it is moving. And it goes over the countryside in a general sense, and uh, it guides them to the path of the house. And it rests on the actual place where Jesus is. Now, the sequence of all of those events kind of mess with, again, the theology of the manger scene. We know Jesus was in Jerusalem for 40 days because he was circumcised in the temple. The Bible says everything had to be completed. Taxes were paid. He returns to Nazareth. So the timing of the wise men were probably a year or two after he'd been born. So the chances are probably good they weren't in Bethlehem. They were in Nazareth. But we think Bethlehem because Herod sends them there, and then they set out and follow the star until it rests over the house. The Bible doesn't actually say where that was. They just, the Bible says where he was born, but it doesn't say you know, when they found him where that was. So if, if it was not that, it would mess up a whole bunch of passages in Luke, in Luke uh, because if they were still in Bethlehem. But anyway, the shepherds were there, not the wise men at that time of the birth. But what does that matter? What I'm telling you is these guys paid attention to the leading of God. You have even better results because you have now God resting in you, his spirit in you. The Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that helped him do everything he did, and Jesus himself said, you can do it too, and even better than that. Matter of fact, I'm going to go so I can send him to you. Now, the story plays out. Bethlehem is a couple hours away from Jerusalem, so I'm saying they probably went to Nazareth, and that's where he was living. Herod wants to know the exact time because that's why he had the baby killed two years and under because he's trying to figure out, he's going to try to eliminate him. Tells us about Herod's character. These guys, the wise men, were willing to be flexible. Lord, if you don't want us to go that way, we'll go this way. We'll go here. We're not going back to Herod. Because they told him in a dream. If you want to be a person of discernment influence, you got to pay attention. You have to pay attention. Now, vision is seen. I'm almost finished. Vision is seen. I said I'm almost finished. Vision is seen. Oh, okay. I can end right now if you want. I mean, you know. Uh, vision is seen as you walk it in obedience. That's how that happens. You start walking it out, and that's when things happen. Remember Joshua when they had to cross? It wasn't until he stepped out and then the water parted. You're going to show your faith. Faith is the things that you don't see yet. You see them, but you don't see them actually in the natural. And you start walking in that, and things start happening. Many people don't realize God's trying to speak in their lives. Hebrews 12, 25. I'll let you read that on your own. God's trying to tell us things, and we have to pay attention. 
Sometimes just being alone. Yesterday, you know, we spent, I think, a lot of time, we just really didn't have, sometimes we'll just have, you ever have the TV on just for noise? Put on a good movie that's a, a feel-good movie, and it's just playing in the background just so you have something going on? We didn't, we didn't do that. We just were busy about doing other things, and we were listening and listening and to different podcasts and, and stuff, and I was going outside and just talking. And because part of the issue, I think, is we just let things, we just have to focus. We have to listen. This holiday season, God's speaking loud and clear, but we have to listen. And then maybe he's not telling you anything new. Maybe he's just telling you to rest. Peace, be still. Maybe he's saying, I want you to get this person a gift. Or I want you to say something to this person. I want you to forgive this person. If you want to have the discerning power of the Lord and the influence that comes with walking in obedience, we got to be humble. We can't hold on to stuff that's his. We got to be generous. That doesn't always mean money. But I know there are people, and if you're like me, that was a thing. Have you battled most of your life just trying to make ends meet paycheck to paycheck we understand but I, I am here to tell you and I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm not saying I'm not working on it but there is a better way there's a kingdom way and the more I have seen God do the things he does the more I marveled at how good he is. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today?